And welcome back to Talking Dogs. Uh, I'm Graham Hall, but you can call me the dog father if you like. Over the last 10 years, I've helped train loads of dogs and humans alike. Uh, you might have caught me doing that on uh, TV's Dogs Behaving Very Badly. Well, now I'm here too, sharing my advice and experience with you directly on this podcast. My email inbox is always full of exasperated dog owners asking really good questions. So Talking Dogs is a chance for me to share the answers and, if you'll indulge me, a few funny stories about our furry friends too. One thing that new dog owners learn really quickly is that sleep is a luxury. Um, there's no two ways about it. You'll very likely get little sleep when you first bring a new puppy home, either because the puppy themselves doesn't want to settle or because you spend the night awake and on edge fretting about, you know, is your puppy okay or not? So in a bit, I'll go right back to the beginning and talk through some of the best practice about sleeping arrangements and teaching a new puppy to settle at night. But first of all, I want to hear from Lorna because my advice for her is going to be a bit different. Hi Graham, my name's Lorna from Aberdeen in Scotland. I've um, recently committed to adopt a rescue dog from Portugal. Her name is Maisie and she's a Pedengo mixed breed. She's two years old and I had the pleasure of um, being able to stay with her for a couple of nights in Portugal at my parents' house to get to know her before we committed to the adoption. And she was amazingly well behaved, really good um, in terms of house training, really responsive to commands until it came to bedtime and she did not want to be left alone. When she comes to Scotland I want to start as I mean to go on and I definitely don't want her to be sleeping in my bedroom with me all of the time so I would really appreciate any advice that you can give me to get her settled in the evenings. I have got a suitable size crate for her and made it as homely as I can and um, any other tips and advice how to settle her and not disrupt the neighbours of an evening would be much appreciated. Thanks. Well, Lorna, uh, lovely to hear from you there in, in, in Aberdeen. Uh, a Podengo, if you, if you don't know what one is, is um, is a hunting breed, actually, from, from Portugal. The Spanish equivalent is Podenco, and they come in different sizes. But they're really active dogs, so there's lots of them stray out there, and they... They, they cover miles and miles, kilometres and kilometres, I suppose, uh, every day, um, uh, you know, trying to, trying to find things to eat, basically. So very, very active dogs, usually very intelligent dogs as well. So that's the background, a dog that needs potentially quite a bit of exercise. We'll come back to that. So it sounds as though Maisie might be quite quite a needy dog. You know, you've already got quite a bond there. I mean, well done for, for, for managing to get a couple of nights uh, with her out in Portugal. Uh, I, I, most people rescuing a dog from, from abroad don't get the, the chance, so that's brilliant. And she'll be getting used to you and the sound of you and, uh, and your Aberdonian accent. <laughs> She's going to be speaking half, half Portuguese and half, half Aberdonian. So the bond's great. But it's often where separation anxiety starts. So dogs get anxious when we leave them because because they love us so much. They've they've latched on to us. Now this isn't about separation anxiety. We we we've spoken about that in a in a different podcast actually. But it's very much about that kind of mini separation that happens when you want to go to sleep at night. So how are you going to create that that mini separation every night when when you come home? Well, well let me tell you what what I think you shouldn't do actually. Um, I, I, don't bring her uh, into the 
the house and then lock her in the kitchen or the utility room downstairs, go to bed and just let her howl her head off all night. You know, this is her first experience of your new home. It's probably going to be perhaps a bit cooler than what she's used to. So there's a little thought there. Get the temperature about right first time, depending on when this is happening. Don't leave her on her own just to fret. She'll cry and cry and cry. Yes, she may well eventually get just exhausted and, and just collapse in a heap when nobody comes. But it's not the best experience. I think we should do this in stages. So if she's if she's used to a crate, she's happy in a crate, why don't you have the crate in your bedroom to start with now and i can hear people screaming out no you shouldn't have a dog in the bedroom your aim is to is to not have her in the bedroom uh, in the long run right but that's your end goal so i think first night not with you in bed i think you're gonna if you if you make that rod for your own back you're gonna struggle frankly uh but in the same room as you in a crate we can make the crate quite a nice cozy den so if she was uh, astray out and about in the countryside in portugal she she would have found places to sleep where she felt safe where it felt a bit cozy so why not put a blanket around the the crate inside it you can have some <laughs> some soft furnishings get something that smells of you that's uh, an old trick not new to me that one so one of your, your jumpers or something like that so she can snuggle down it feels nice it's a bit sound deadened and you're not very far away she'll be able to hear your breathing dogs really pick up on on our breathing patterns and that's your best chance to settle her down. And then as time goes on, you can move that crate out bit by bit. And don't be in a hurry. If it takes several weeks, then I think that's fine. So there she is for the first week or so, you know, at least the first two or three days. And then perhaps depending on the, uh, you know, the layout of your house, you can move her uh, perhaps into the onto the landing, you know, and a bit further away. And then eventually she's, she's downstairs, let's say, in, in the kitchen or wherever you want her to be. So Maisie's two years old, she's an adult dog, which means that, that we've got no restrictions on how much we can we can walk her. And you, you can probably see where I'm going with this. I think the first day you get her back, you should take her for a really nice long walk. So um, she'll be getting used to you, getting used to the new uh, scenery <laughs> that's so very different to Portugal. Her brain will be going uh, a thousand miles an hour. She'll have lots to think about. And that creates two things. One, physical tiredness, but two, sort of that mental tiredness as well. It's been a hard day at the office, you know. Uh, and and then when it's bedtime, she's just going to want to sort of collapse and sleep. So it gives you the best chance. She's a breed that needs quite a bit of exercise. So I think you should do that every night, get into that routine of, of you know, giving her lots of walking before you try and settle her down you mentioned you're concerned about your neighbors well you're a nice person that comes across have a chat with them i always advise this most people you can get on board really quite easily explain you've got this dog coming explain the background you know you're sorry in advance if if you know if she whines a little bit and nine times out of ten people are going to say oh it's fine don't worry about it you know we understand it won't be forever uh, i think that's an important point to make you know and that means that you can rest easier you know, because if you're on edge, she'll be on edge and it all gets worse. So tell them in advance, get their buying. Now, now I've mentioned a crate there. Crates aren't the be all and end all. So, it, it, and by the way, if you're not sure what I mean by a crate, it's not a wooden thing, it's one of those wire mesh basically, it's a cage, but we don't like using that word, so we call them a crate. Um, and thereby really hangs the the tail, you know, 
there can be a cage for some dogs if they're not used to being in a crate and then suddenly we bundle them in one. Perhaps the, their only experience of being in a crate was at the vets or if they've been a rescue dog, you know, they were picked up off the street, thrown into a cage. Their association with that thing is either it's a horrible cage or it's a lovely den where I feel secure and almost never the twain shall meet. So using a cage or a crate with a uh, with a dog that's not used to it. It's like the child catcher thing. You know that those the sort of movies, that horror story thing of picking a child up and the nasty man with the horrible top hat puts him in a cage. That's what it feels like for the wrong dog. But for the right dog, particularly if they've been used to a crate from from being small, it, it can be a lovely thing. It's horses for courses. Now, most puppies are going to be okay with crate training from the very beginning. Quite often, if they came from um, uh, from a registered breeder, a lot of those have, a lot of them have got crates there, so that they can be quite used to it. Think of it as a cosy den. That's the secret. Put it in a place that feels nice and secure. So quite often, a crate underneath. Uh, if you have a suitable gap in a work surface in your kitchen or around the corner in a in a cosy corner that feels secure, that's nice. They'll settle down. There's another trick as well, something called dog appeasing pheromone, DAP, DAP. Um, and the big maker's name I think many people will have heard of is, is, is Adaptil, right? So as they always say on the telly, other makes may well be available. I'm sure they are. People have had a lot of experience with the plugins. You plug them in and they just don't appear to work. And I, and I've, I wish I had a pound for every time somebody told me that. They do work, but in small areas. Uh, I once walked into a big barn conversion that, that you know, the, all the way up to the eaves was like a church and one tiny little plug-in in the corner of the room, it was clearly going to dissipate to nothing. So the, the problem with, with that is that it's just not localised enough. But if you've got um, a, a puppy crate in a place where, let's say, there's a, there's a plug behind, obviously it needs to be in a place where the, the puppy can't get their paws through the crate towards it, that's likely to fill the whole area of the, the crate with this dog-appeasing pheromone. You're probably wondering what it is, dog-appeasing pheromone. It's the smell of mum when she was when she was nursing, basically. So when it works, it creates this kind of, ah, effect, you know? It's just that that lovely, cosy smell of mummy. You know, that's, that's the idea. That's what we're trying to re recreate here. There are a couple of different ways of using dog appeasing pheromone and another way is a, is a pump action spray and that could be used in a crate as well now if you want more detail on how to use dog appeasing pheromone in a spray form i spoke about that when we talked about nervous dogs in cars and that was in the podcast episode two weeks ago so you might want to tune into that now, if you start as a crate, you don't necessarily need to start as you mean to go on. Some dogs spend most of their life sleeping in a crate. They're quite happy with it. It's it's fine. It, it is a bit inconvenient, uh, let's be honest. And depending on the size of your kitchen, you might not want a crate there forever. If you go away and stay in sort of cottages with your dog and that kind of thing, or in hotels, you don't necessarily want to take a travel crate with you everywhere you go. I, I think there's no right and wrong answer to this. Quite often the way to transition is if you've got a nice comfortable dog bed that fits inside the crate, actually one day the bed's there in the same position with everything else, but the crate's gone. And most dogs just kind of recognise it and go in. The halfway house is that the crate door was never closed. They go in, they come out, it's absolutely fine. Sometimes it's actually easier to take the door off. I've seen that done in lots of houses. So... 
keep the crate forever if it suits if the dog likes it and it's a den great if it doesn't suit you there's a way out Sleep and quality of sleep is—it's become a bit of a thing uh, with with humans at the moment. It's quite quite trendy, you know, books and and all of that. And I've learned quite a lot about sleeping by listening to a couple of other podcasts actually. And one thing that comes across is that your bedtime routine is quite important the things that you do that set you up for a good night's sleep and the time that you go to sleep best to go to sleep at the same time guess what same for dogs right so they absolutely recognize routines dogs are very much creatures of routine so every time you go to bed do the same things uh, beforehand if you're going to go out for a bit of a walk as i was uh, advising there for lorna in aberdeen then do that you know it doesn't always have to be the same route but just go for a walk at the same time my routine is let the dog into the back garden let her go to the toilet one last one yeah good girl i've got these got these these little um treats that she really likes that are bedtime treats i think they've got a bit of chamomile to them i'm not convinced that the chamomile makes that much difference but it's the routine you see it's that association so she comes uh, back in from the toilet she looks at me i go yeah i know what you want there you go i chuck the treat on her bed she goes off to her bed as a treat looks at me and goes that'll be that then won't it right <laughs> yeah that'll be that the light goes out off i go upstairs and that's that so they like a routine it's reassuring so try and stick to the same thing every night i think sleep is a it's a fascinating um area and i'm thinking about people here you know if you talk to personal trainers now they're they're very keen on finding out not not just what exercise and diet you've you've uh, you've been on but also how your sleep was and i think we all know that if you have a bad night's sleep we can be grumpy or not thinking straight we're just not on our air game are we so i wonder how often that affects dogs as well i'm i'm convinced it's it's the same so if your dog's had a bit of an odd day um they're not listening to you they're not behaving as you'd expect um how was their sleep last night did they did they get enough sleep was it was it the right routine probably a matter of time before we've got dogs wearing little wristy things that tell us how they slept last night we can get paranoid about that but for now i think just if your dog's misbehaving today how did they sleep last night now dogs are creatures of habit so um they they tend to wake up at the same time uh, as uh, <laughs> you might well be aware if you've got one that wakes you up and tells you it's time so just be aware that um, when the clocks go back and the clocks go forward yeah guess what um they tend to wake up an hour earlier or later so um that's kind of normal try to just just ignore it and crack on as normal because a week or two they've completely reset their body clock and you'd be surprised the amount of times somebody said to me it's 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 the damnedest thing for some reason my dog's now waking up at you know five o'clock instead of six o'clock it's like yeah well let's think about what happened last weekend <laughs> that might well be it question i'm often asked and i think people very often feel really strongly about one way or the other is is whether or not dogs should be allowed on beds or sofas and the answer is without a shadow of a doubt I don't think it matters either way. <laughs> um, I think it does matter, but it depends from dog to dog. So let me explain. I had a couple of Rottweilers who had an awful lot of very dark fur and they weren't allowed on the sofa and that was that. They never tried to get up on the sofa. Uh, and in fact, I'm just thinking back now, we didn't let them in to the living room 
uh, in the new house we got because it, it had oak flooring, quite expensive oak, oak floor, and it's like they're just going to scratch this to blazes. And the previous owners had, had, had kept it perfectly for 10 years. So it's like they're, they're allowed with us in the rest of the house, the kitchen and so on, but they weren't allowed even in the living room until Axel died and Gordon was on his own. And then I went a bit soft and went, oh, bless you, Gordon. So I put uh, a bit of vet bedding down on the on the floor next to the sofa and he was there with us and that was right. I don't know why I didn't do that all along, if I'm honest. But he was never allowed on the sofa. Uh, along comes Lily and Lily's a big softy who just loves being next to people and really wants that close contact and was a rescue dog who clearly come from a home where she thought it was fine to be on a sofa, you can tell. So the rule there became, okay, if we invite you up, then you can come up. And actually, we'd, we'd put a little mat thing down for her. But if we don't invite, it's 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 not allowed. I think that's the best way to do it. So it's not so much whether or not they're on the sofa or the bed, if we're talking about upstairs as well. It's it's who decides, you know, and it should be you, of course. Personally, I, I wouldn't be sleeping with a dog in the bed, but I think it's a personal choice thing. One thing's for sure, just allowing a dog to be on a sofa or a bed isn't going to turn them into some mad, vicious, horrible, dominant dog as you sometimes hear from people. It's just it's just not the case. There are an awful lot of things that send out signals about who takes the lead round here, who's in charge, who sets the rules, and it's not as simple as that. So if you really want the dog on the bed, unless it's causing a problem, I would say, well okay but it should be you invite them up i do come across cases where a dog's decided that the the, the sofa or the bed is is their domain you particularly get it in couples where a dog will push a person off and if you've if you've seen dogs behaving very badly on the telly there was a, a great dane uh, in i think it was series two uh, bones who was actually hilariously just just doing everything he could to push dad physically off the marital bed it's like, like you're not going to sleep with her i am and it, it was actually quite comical but there was a serious side to it so if we've got a dog that's that's guarding a sofa then yeah you know he, he should lose that privilege but if you're the one doing the inviting that's okay just think about who's in charge one thing I would say about the, the bed thing is that consistency is really important. Now, dog trainers have been talking about consistency since, well, for donkey's years. I remember Barbara Woodhouse talking about it, and you might be too young to remember. But consistency is very important with dogs. What you can't do, clearly, is is go, oh, well, I want you on the bed for a cuddle tonight because I'm feeling a bit upset or I need a cuddle or whatever. But tomorrow night I'm fed up with you and you're down in your crate. And then the night after you might be up on the bed again. That royally confuses them. Clearly, you shouldn't do that. Well, there you go. I hope my stories haven't sent you to sleep. Uh, see what I did there. If you're still with me and you've got a cheeky little mutt you need some help with, or a cheeky big mutt that you need help with, uh, why not send me an email, or even better, uh, a voice note. You can get in touch at talkingdogs at avalonuk.com. I'd love to be answering your questions soon. I'll be back here next week, so in the meantime, please do rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Look after yourself, your loved ones, and of course, your dogs. Bye for now.